You are listening to the Venture Scale SaaS Operator, the podcast where we interview founders who are actually in the trenches. We talk about the transparent journey of how they build their SaaS companies, how they grow them, and what they would do differently if they would do it all over. Hey, folks, with me today, Jamie from Pipeline Signals. Super happy to have you on. Nicholas, thank you for having me. Awesome. Let's start with the most important thing. What does Pipeline Signals do for its customers? So we have a tagline that says, get more at bats. Now for your German audience, I want you to think of a baseball analogy. Sales professionals, the more swings they have at the bat, the more opportunities they create. So I've created an enablement as a service business that combines two things. One, a subscription of learning programs centered around social selling, modern prospecting, like account-based prospecting. And at the same time, sales intelligence that is provided as a tailwind against the very accounts that they're learning to, to prospect against, we send sales intelligence called customers on the move back to the sellers so that they're prospecting and learning as a motion. Who's the typical buyer for this? Like, is that like a big B2B enterprise SaaS company or like who, who's the typical buyer? Our customers range from, we'll call it lower mid-market all the way to global enterprise. The ideal customer is one that has a, uh, a group of account-based sellers. So typically has more than a few uh, what's known as AEs or account executives. And they have to self-source their own pipeline. You know, some comes from marketing, some comes from the channel, but unfortunately, the account executive needs to find their own opportunities and they're stuck. And that's typically where we get started. So our customers will range from $10 million in revenue into the billions. And, so, and then if you say account-based selling, does it mean like I have a company and now I want to chase down Ford? Or Coca Cola and that kind of a couple of, uh, for, for the for the sales newbies listening. Like, yeah. what what is the whole account based thing about? Yeah, so I'll, I'll back up. So when you grow a company from zero dollars to about ten million dollars, most companies can grow by developing a strong marketing strategy, a content marketing strategy that attracts leads towards you like a magnet. And so think of it like an analogy like fishing. So fish just start jumping in the boat. And then you'll grow large enough where the only way to continue growing at that compounded growth rate that you want is you have to be able to select and choose bigger and bigger fishes that you need to sustain the growth. So you can't live on the little minnows and the tiny fishes anymore that jump in your boat. You need to go whale hunting. You need tuna, you need marlin. And that is account-based selling where you are individually picking. You know, I have a pair of Oakley sunglasses on my desk and an Apple iPod. You have chosen to target Oakley and to target Apple because they meet your ideal customer profile. And you have to ignore the small deals and you have to go after the big stuff or in conjunction with. How would a sale, so how would an AE typically do that? So there's a dance routine and it's an acronym called SPEAR. So SPEAR stands for you need to select and prioritize your accounts objectively. 
You need to plan those accounts. You need to engage those accounts, activate those accounts, and then look at your total addressable market and reprioritize your focus. So SPEAR is this, this motion that a seller does every month, every quarter to be able to look at a market, pick five accounts, go after them, open doors, reprioritize that market again. Um, that's, that's account-based selling. And the, the typical deal size for that is like, yeah, is, it, is that like 100K plus a year? Like, what's the typical deal size? Like, what, what no, size do the deals need to be to, to make that effective or efficient? Most, yeah, most companies start to introduce, and I don't mean that they go and or, they start to develop an account-based team, typically in the five figures. So their deals will be 30,000, 50,000, now $100,000 or euros a year. That's when account base starts to make sense because you can attract inbound a four-figure deal, right? Think of a $1,000 a month product. They'll come in towards you. But when you now have a $3,000 a month product or a five or a $10,000 a month product, there's a smaller market that are Googling keywords that are now you need to target them. And we have customers as large, they're, they're selling $100 million. We have a customer called Celestica. They only do 50 and $100 million deals. Well, their sales cycles are three years long. They're very targeted. That, those are some big numbers. Yeah, yes. those are quite some big deals. And then let's maybe move on from like the product to more of like the company building part. So. Tell us a bit about like how, how did the company came to be? Just like what's the founding story of it? So 10 years ago, I was in the fortunate position to see around a corner and I saw the development of LinkedIn. And I saw that there was an opportunity to teach sales professionals how to prospect using LinkedIn. And I called it social selling. So I helped pioneer a topic, uh, a sales methodology called social selling. And my company, Sales for Life, grew to millions of dollars in revenue. 600 global customers teaching social selling. When COVID hit, we had a lot of customers who had been asking uh, for a do-it-for-you business. Can you, instead of just teaching my sellers how to do this, can you find this, these opportunities, this sales intelligence in LinkedIn, can you find it for us? So we originally created Pipeline Signals as a do-it-for-you SaaS platform that was identifying these job changes for customers. Ironically, as we launched the sales intelligence side of the product, our customers turned back to us and said, this is amazing sales intelligence, but my sellers don't know what to do when they have it. Can you teach them what to do? I said, well, hold on a second. I have a teach it for you business. I have a do it for you business. So sales for life and pipeline signals are merging. Pipeline signals is the going forward brand in which it's two things together that make up um, a better experience. I teach you the why, I teach you the how as a subscription. So there's many courses you can go through and we provide you that sales intelligence as a monthly subscription. So uh, is there a pure, set, a pure software package also or is it like if you buy it, you get both always? It, it, you get both always and Think of it as straddling the fine line between SaaS and tech-enabled service, because the learning 
is in a learning application that is built prior, proprietary to us. So we have a learning management system software built by us and all the technology to find you the signals. It's 100% you are, you are uh, a subscription as a service. Just to make it come to life, we also have human trainers to do virtual training like we're doing now, which are recorded and so forth. So it's, you know, if you think of what SaaS is, is software as a service, we are still software as a service, but with a huge amount of human, um, human capital to help aid the, the services side of it. And do you plan to grow both sites basically in parallel or do you feel like there's more room in one or the other right now? Continue to grow them both in parallel as we continue to listen to the customer. At the end of the day, we're only building in reverse from the customer. The customer doesn't care about anything other than outcomes. The outcome for them is they need more sales qualified leads. They need, their sellers need to create more opportunity. So we'll create these micro, simple to use uh, software tools that will help them. And we'll give it to them free as part of the subscription. It's, it's uh, uh, everything that we built will be inclusive of the subscription. And as well, we'll throw more human capital at it to continue to identify the perfect, offer, you know, the perfect offering that makes sure that their account-based sellers actually continue to increase pipeline. Like, that's the mission. If you need to hire the right developers and ship fast, then React Squad is for you. A boutique agency that specializes in React and only works with fast-growth startups. Get a 14-day risk-free trial and a transparent price of $95 per hour. Visit reactsquad.io to learn more. I would love to double click on one thing you said and make sure to unpack that with you because you said that the you don't really care where it's go, where it will go, but the thing you care about is that it's driven by a customer pain and by a customer outcome. How do you actually do that on a day-to-day -day strategic and tactical level with your team to make sure it's always customer-centric? Yep. So uh, we'll reverse engineer from the customer. So every single month we have a business because we're a monthly recurring revenue model. Thus, with the ability for a customer to cancel every month, every month is like a new month. So we have a, a monthly call with all of our customers called a business case review. So our software pumps out a report that shows net promoter score to usage and utility to, you know, um, outcomes being produced by the sellers, right? Are they going through the learning? Are they booking meetings through the learning? Are they doing uh, great sales actions with our sales intelligence and so forth? We play that back to the customer. The customer is then telling us, oh, this is great. Can you also identify these signals? Just or a quick, I don't know what to interrupt, but just a quick question to make it super technical. So you have basically customer success people who are then talking to, I would guess, like a VP of sales, a head of yeah. sales. VP of sales, VP of enablement, VP of sales operations. Understand. And they, they, they basically see the KPIs for like, let's say they 10, 20, 100 person sales force. And do you have that as like a, literally like a call between the VP and your CS person? Or is that like, how do, how do you actually manage that for the people Correct. listening who, there is who a might call. want to build something like that? 
yeah, there is a call every month with every customer between the VPs of those roles that I just described or the heads of and our customer success team. From there, we document everything and record everything that the customers say. From there, that gets fed into a product roadmap. And there are two sides to the product roadmap, product content, product systems, systems being tools and technology, content being more learning and enablement that will make what we're, teach, what we're doing come to life. And we're constantly improving and iterating those two things and then pumping it out to customers. But it's our own customers that just give us the feedback on what to build. Yeah. I, I, I think it's perfect because we, yeah, literally today, a couple of hours ago, uh, pumped out a newsletter where we went through everything that Teresa Torres, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, wrote about basically like continuous discovery because I think that's the thing that is often skipped by startups. Basically in the MVP stage, everybody talks to customers, but then it slowly dies. So I love that you're doing that on a monthly basis. But then how big are like just roughly, how big are those clients for you? Because of course, if I have like a $15 subscription, there's no way I can have a monthly call in the CS. So how, how, could you walk us through the economics for the people who might want to build such a CS team? Yeah, so our ARPU, our average revenue per user or customer, is 3,000 USD per month. So you, we are what some companies would deem an enterprise sale. Now, our sales cycle is only 38 days, but... Uh, you are selling a five-figure, you know, anything under twenty-five thousand U.S. dollars can typically slip into the director level onto credit card. But when you start getting above that level, you're now talking at the VP or the head of department, averaging, uh, you know, thirty-six thousand dollars a year, and that requires uh, a CX team. And then, how many? So. How many customers does one CS person work with? Um, right now, we have 25. Like we're, We started a year or so ago, so we have 25 live customers. One CX person can work with them all. Perfect. And then do, do you plan to scale it all roughly with that, that ratio? Or do you feel like, nah, we might want to go to one, 1 to 15? Or how do you yeah, think about that? We anticipate that we'll be able to manage with Two to three CX people, our goal, our next, we call it mission 100, 100 customers. Uh, we want to be as quickly as possible. And in doing so, we'll have two to three CX teammates being able to manage all customers. Interesting. And then how, I mean, the, the content side of things are like very atypical for like a software company, but then how do you, like, what does the software side of the company look like? Do you have like a head of engineering who? Who built all of that? Or how, how is that product team yeah, structured? Yeah, we have a head of product, head of engineering is the same person. Um, and they then work with a DevOps uh, team. And all of my talent is offshored. So we have talent in India, Philippines, and Bangladesh. Our DevOps team is in India. And so we just build, build, build. Is there a specific reason why you went uh, offshore or? Talent. Uh, um, uh, 10x access to talent, 10x labor arbitrage. Essentially, my cost to customer acquisition, like my payback period is two months and one week for every net new customer. My gross margins are in the high 80s 
I, uh, so I'm able to be profitable in the first year, year and a half of launching a SaaS software company. And I'll always remain profitable. And that is a huge mistake that I find companies start to lose their own destiny because they raise endless amounts of capital with no intention of being profitable. Uh, they can't adjust, they can't tack and weave because they are beholden to investors. They've made too many commitments on the scale at which they're going to grow their sales and marketing. I control the whole destiny. Um, and so if you want to be profitable from day one, offshore. I love that. And just as a last question before we wrap up, what would be a tip for you, for people who think about going like using offshore talent? Um, any, any tip or advice? My biggest tip is if it works onshore, it works offshore. It is a, it's a legacy bias to believe that any particular role and responsibility cannot be offshore. My marketing team, team of six at Pipeline Signals in Bangladesh. My uh, SDRs, BDRs in the Philippines. My CX team in the Philippines. My product and engineering is in India. Talent is everywhere. And you have to ask yourself, you're sitting in Germany, you know, um, your social media manager, do you want to pay 50,000 euros um, a year to do the same thing that somebody could do for 10? Same role and responsibility, same outcome. You just created $40,000 more profit and then a 20% EBITDA company, you know, a, a quarter million dollars of less deals you need to win to remain that same profitability. You control your destiny in much greater fashion. Amazing. Jamie, thanks a ton for coming on today and sharing all of this. Thank you so much. You take care. If you like this episode, then you'll love the SaaS Operator, a weekly newsletter brought to you by Early Node with actionable insights from SaaS experts in the industry delivered right to your inbox every Tuesday for free. Visit earlynode.com to subscribe.